0: Well, this is a a privilege for me to be here. I love you guys. You're family to me. And uh, like John said, the last couple years and just getting to know so many of you. And and it's been a great privilege for me. I actually love leaders' events as well. I think it's probably one of my favorite events. I think it's, um, you know, as a leader myself, just the importance of getting together with other leaders and other people that are like-minded and being encouraged and being empowered and being equipped and all those things are, are so very important to us um, to keep running the race and to keep leading others alongside with us. I think it's interesting. This is the, the first trip that John told me. I heard that the other day about um, my dangerous letter. Um, But um, I have so much passion for actually what he even asked me to talk about. And so I do feel like there's a, a few things this week. There's a couple things that John had asked me to cover. Am I echoing? Yeah, I am, huh? Does it sound more powerful? And um, one of those things is just being, uh, you know, a spiritual, uh, naturally supernatural, which I think is our value. And I think we have many of the same values, many of the, much of the same DNA. And also, uh, you know, the latter part of that of, of keeping a movement moving. And so these are things to me that are really important. And, um, and it is the long race and it is the entrustment of the kingdom and how do we do this and the way that Christ has in, in, entrusted uh, it to us. And so this first uh, part is we kind of start off the week here and hearing that wonderful testimony. I remember that testimony actually from last summer. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's so, I love how God moves. I love how God heals because there's not a formula. There's no formula. It's just sort of like this trust of always trusting and um, and never losing our expectations, so to speak. And we never know how God's uh, going to show up. But I do realize that as we start, you know, this week, um, I realize that all of us are in different places. I know so many, so many of you are tired, you're worn out, and, um, and you're coming into a place to receive. I saw a picture, I think, during worship of... Um, uh, these little uh, babies, and, and just being fed all of this um, nutrition. And I just felt like the Lord was just going to feed us so much this week in all kinds of different ways. And I know that many of you are, are in different places, and many of you are just hungry for more, wanting to see more. Some of you have been, uh, you know, still holding on to things that you believe that God originally spoke to you. And I, I know that some of you are starting to begin to see things that you feel like God's promised you. But I know that we're all in different places, and I know that we all need to receive this week. And I think it's, it is it is powerful, and I think it's uh, insightful, and I think it's helpful um, to begin this time just talking about, you know, the presence of the Lord and and uh, the glory of the Lord. And so, um, you know, praying for you guys and praying um, specifically uh, for even just this week and our time together. One thing in particular that I feel like the Lord uh, kept saying over and over again is that if he said it, he's serious about it. If God said something to you, he's serious about it. You know, many times, you know, we hear something from God and we see parts of it or we see we don't see any of it. We kind of want to move into the next thing or hear something else. And many of times we forget that when God says something, his heart is to fulfill what he has spoken. And so how do we remain in the place of, you know, not getting discouraged, not living in discouragement when we don't see things? How do we, you know, live in the place? Because it's not just for us, but it's also the other people that we're we're leading. How do we live in the presence of the Lord, reflecting the presence of the Lord uh, to those around us? Because we know that more than anything else, what we need this week is the presence of the Lord. That's what we need. More than anything that's said, more than anything that's done, we need encounters with the king of glory because that's what changes everything. It was David who said, you know, in Psalm 24 that the king is the king of glory, And we invite him to come. And when he comes, he changes everything around us. The word glory is actually mentioned over 400 times in the Bible. So there's something about, you know, the glory of God uh, and this picture of God's glory coming to us and empowering us for purpose. And I felt like, interesting, but I felt like, um, you know, to start out in Luke chapter 2 today. So why don't you go ahead and turn there. This is, you know, part of the, right after the Christmas story. But I do think this is a great picture of the glory of the Lord. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to encourage you in the king of glory this afternoon to kind of set our hearts and set our minds and set our plans to the purpose and in the presence of the Lord. And in Luke 2 here, I believe this is a clear picture of God's glory coming to the shepherds, of God's glory coming to his leaders, of God's glory coming to those that he entrusts. And it was always for, you know, a purpose. And from this point, you know, going forward, what it looked like, the king of glory, the glory of God. I mean, glory is who God is. Glory is what God does. He is glorified. He is the king of glory. And so in Luke chapter 2 here, uh, let me just read this to give you a context. Starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning the child and what had been told of them about this child. And all who heard were amazed and what the shepherds said to them, but Mary Treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen just as they had been told. So I, I believe this is really encouraging. As a leader for me, this is really encouraging of a picture of the king of glory. And I think this gets played out in our lives. I think this gets uh, you know, shown to us in all kinds of different ways. But what is the glory of the Lord for? What is the presence of the Lord for? Because without the presence of the Lord in us, without the presence of the Lord moving through us, I mean, nothing happens. We must have the presence of the Lord. We must have the presence of the Lord in every way possible. Because because this is the thing that will, this is the thing that will sustain us. This is the thing that will keep us, you know, in the right track, in the right purpose, for the right uh, place at the right time. And so, it's the glory of God to us. Why the glory of God? It's the glory of God to us. The glory of God came upon them and shone around them. So we have this picture of God sending a message—the birth of Jesus—and from that point, the glory of God instantly around the shepherds, around those cho- chosen. God chose them to shine His glory around them. And then the response of the shepherd, you know, is that they're terrified. It's almost like, I'll tell you something that worries me about the church culture. It's worried me about, you know, for a while. But it's almost like we talk about the glory of God like it's up for auction, You know, like, I I can't tell you how many things I've seen, you know, that are called, you know, and I'm not anti it, it just makes me nervous in a sense, because there's something about when we read through the scriptures, when those entrusted, when those encountered the very presence, the glory of the Lord, there's a response of, of being terrified, there's a response of, you know, holiness. I mean, there's a byproduct of when we encounter him and when we see him, that, that uh, there's this soberness that happens. I remember John used to say, Wimber, he used to say, I never want to get too comfortable with the glory of the Lord. And so this is what we've been given. This is what we've been entrusted in. I think sometimes, you know, we, we treat it as something we know God's going to show up. We know God's going to be faithful. We know all those things, but this is it. I mean, to sustain us as a person, to sustain us as a church, to sustain, you know, as a movement, I mean, it must be in and by and through the power and the glory of the Lord. So it's the glory of the Lord to us. And I I believe our response again, you know, I mean, for me personally, I have this sort of, you know, Nothing, I think, for me personally, is more important than the presence of the Lord. There's nothing about it. I actually have to be intentional of, um, you know, relationally of kind of putting my efforts in other things. Because I would love to just be with the Lord all the time. I love it. I, I'm addicted to it in all kinds of different ways. It just it feeds me and it gives me things um, that nothing else does. I mean, it just changes everything about me. But there's also something in me where I, f- that I feel more and more sober. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel more and more sober the more that, that um, you know, the more I know about Jesus and the more time I spent with him, I, I just feel like, Lord, I just don't want to mess it up. You know that feeling? I just don't want to mess this up. I know that this is, you're entrusting me. I don't want to do this wrong. And the more, I'm telling you, especially the last couple years, I mean, that is the sober thing that I'm feeling because I know that we are stewards. We are managers, you know, leaders. We're stewarding whatever God, you know, has anointed us for, you know, that he's put his presence on us for. And I know that, you know, for me personally, I want to learn more of what this looks like. I don't want to get so distracted in so many other things. I want to know what God's entrusted to me. How am I stewarding this thing? You know, how am, I, how am I walking in the presence of the Lord that he's given to me? And so it's an entrustment. Kingdom is all about entrustment. What is God given to you? What are the gifts that God's given to you? What is the anointing that God's given to you? All of those things, because how you steward those things determines what you get next. And I think so much of the time we look at someone or we see something and we see the glory on somebody or the anointing on somebody, but the truth is the anointing is what God gives to us for his purpose. It's the anointing that God blesses us with so we can do the thing that he's called us into the anointing that God gives to us the anointing that God has placed on you as a movement says everything about who he is what we do with the anointing is what we're giving back to him it's our gift back to him so it doesn't even really say anything about us how I carry how I steward how I manage what God's given to me is is so important because it will determine what I get get next that is kingdom so what do you have in your hands today You know, what has God given to you? You know, what did you come with this week? You know, what are the things that that you know God's called you into? I want to, you know, start this this week off by reminding you of the promises of what God has said. And if he said it, he's serious about it. And if he's given you something, he's given you something for a reason, whether it be a church, whether it be a group, whether it be a ministry, you know, whatever it is. If God's given you something and he's spoken uh, to you about something, he's serious about it. And then he gives us his presence to be able to walk it out. He gives us his presence to be able to, you know, be empowered to do the work and uh, to the purpose that he's called us into. So his glory comes to us and it shines around us and empowers us. But then our responsibility is to reflect the glory. Our responsibility as leaders, our responsibility, you know, as wherever God's places is to respond to the glory, but it's to reflect the glory. It's to reflect his presence. I mean, think about Why has God made it that we encounter him? That it's not just that we talk about experience. We don't just talk about the presence of the Lord. We don't just talk about, you know, the glory of the Lord. But we we encounter him. We experience him. But the truth is, you know, it's not just about the encounter because we serve the God of encounter. We serve the God of encounters that he will encounter us and and we will experience him time and time again. But it's not even about that. And so much of the time, I think that we end up worshiping the encounter rather than the one that gave us the encounter. And it's one of my concerns when I think about longevity in my own life, in my own church, in my own movement and what I'm doing. I don't want to get so signs focused, you know, so wonders. I love it. I mean, who doesn't like signs and wonders? But it is a sign and a wonder when we can carry out and reflect the glory that God's given to us no matter what happens. So there is a responsibility in this and a longevity in this. I mean, the church has gone for centuries where they've talked about the glory of God but never experienced the glory of God. But we experience the glory of God and we encounter the glory of God so that it fills us with the right things so that we can reflect him in the way that we're called to reflect him. And I love this picture of the glory of God shining around the shepherds, you know. We're shepherds. I don't know you know, those of you who are leading what, but we're shepherds. And I I think it's interesting that God calls us that, that we're, we're the protectors. And it was the shepherds that God chose to send his glory to. But it was not just for an experience. It wasn't just for the encounter. It was for the purposes of God. We encounter the presence of God to be directed into the purposes of God. And to be directed into the things that God has called us into. We're shepherds who are spiritual beings. We're spiritual beings that it wouldn't make any sense if we didn't do anything spiritual. Spiritual people do spiritual stuff. And God encounters us and feeds you know, that side of us and that part of who we are. And then we reflect that. It doesn't make any sense for me to be a spiritual leader and not lead spiritually. It doesn't make any sense for me to take that hat off because that's who I am. And that's the whole thing of God, again, empowering for purpose. I can tell you, just for me personally, this last year has probably been one of the hardest years I've ever had as a leader. And it's been amazing. You know those sort of seasons where you see God, you know, kind of answer prayer in all kinds of ways that you just, you know, were just impossible. And it's wonderful. But at the same time, just personally, I've been stretched beyond I've, how I've ever been stretched before. I've had to trust the Lord in ways that I've never had to trust the Lord before. And, um, and I've, again, felt the soberness of what I feel like God's entrusted to me and what God's called me to. And in the midst of that, you know, I have kind of, I, I tend to check out in different ways just to be with the Lord and hear the Lord and make sure what I'm doing is the, is the Lord's art for this season. And I felt like in this, you know, last year where the Lord, you know, started talking to me about being present in his presence. You know, lots of times, you know, talk about the presence of the Lord and seeing the presence of the Lord and being in the presence of the Lord. But I felt like the Lord said to me, Christy, I want you to learn to be present in my presence. Which means I have to learn to be, I have to be intentional in this. I have to, you know, shut everything out especially leaders. I've to shut everything out to be intentional that with I'm with the Lord. It's not just, you know, that I'm taking downtime. I'm learning to be present in his presence. I'm learning to, you know, what it looks like to encounter his glory. I'm learning what it looks like, you know, to live from that place uh, of receiving everything that I need to receive and, and in, in that, making that the priority over everything else. I mean, the truth is, our intimacy with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord is our highest call way before our ministry assignment. Our ministry assignment is secondary to all of that. And so there's, there's this picture of what God's given to us uh, of reflecting the glory. But we first have to be in the glory. We first have to be in the presence to reflect the presence. And we have to be willing to be in the presence, to be of the presence, to reflect it. I mean, it's a choice that you and I have to make. And I've seen through the years, one of the saddest things for me to see through the years is how many leaders have not finished well. How many leaders started out, you know, a, you know all kinds of anointing, all kinds of gifting, whatever it is, you know, start in one way and just not finish well. It's been one of the greatest heartaches for me to watch, actually. And 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 burnout happening and people just getting tired. It's just a byproduct of ministry because we're in, you know, a profession. We're in something that's a giving. You know, we're servants. We're giving of ourselves. And this whole thing of, uh, of being able to lay our lives down for other people. And I've seen it, you know, all of us, I'm sure, have seen it many times over where we've seen people start on fire for the Lord. And all of a sudden, you know, they begin to get burned out. They begin to get tired. They begin to get disillusioned. They begin to get discouraged. They begin to forget, you You know, the original thing of what God had spoke or what God had said because all of the pain of ministry or rejection or betrayal or all those things just completely took their legs out from underneath them. And I think it goes back to this picture again. More than anything else, we have to be able to receive before we can give. That's why God has set it up in the kingdom that everything that we're to give, we first have to learn how to receive. We have to be the best receivers. We have to be the best at being intentional, to be with him, to be near him, to hear him, to be in the presence. So what Matthew 25 talks about. You know, and I do believe this. I believe in the coming days, in the coming years, we're going to see some of the greatest, you know, works of the Lord of all time. But I also believe that we're going to have the greatest pressure on us as the church. And I believe that it's going to come together. Matthew 13 talks about it. it's the wheat and the tares growing together. It's, it's, you know, it's all of it together. It's the glorified stuff and it's the mess and it's the hardship and the pain, and there's something about, again, where like we need to be reminded to kind of slow down. And what is the most important? What is the longevity for me as a leader? And I believe it's Matthew 25. It is this whole thing of the glory of the Lord. And as leaders and as the ministries that we're leading or whatever it is, even as mothers and fathers, you know, grandparents, all of this, it's so important that we're first getting our lamps filled. That we're not going into ministry and not putting ministry before, you know, being, uh, you know, full of the, of the presence of the Lord. And there's nothing, I love this story in Matthew 25 because it talks about that none of us, you know, I can't do this for you and you can't do this for me. This has to be your discipline. This has to be your choice. This has to be where you're going to learn to live from. And the whole example in there is that, you know, you can't, you know, there's a, a point when you just wish you would have made that the priority, because then burnout comes and discouragement comes and disillusionment comes. And I believe faithfulness, uh, to, uh, faithfulness to intimacy and, and to our time with the Lord is what keeps us connected to the heart of the Father. What is it that keeps us living in the place of his presence where we can reflect his presence? It's our heart connection with him. It's our intimacy with him. That's what empowers us. That's what enables us. That's what you know equips us. That's what reminds us. It's being with him. It's getting that perspective again. You know, you coming this week, getting re-envisioned. What are the things that the Lord first said to you when you first got saved, when you first went into ministry? What were some of the things that God promised you? What were some of the things, the original visions, the original dreams? Because again, I think we put some of those off because we haven't seen it or we get discouraged. And so, again, positioning ourselves you know, that we're watching and waiting and praying. We're watching and waiting and praying. And we're receiving all that God has for us. All that God wants to give to us so that we can walk in the power and the presence uh, that God calls us into. And so I do believe this. Before, we are most powerful. I'm most powerful as a leader. And I'm most powerful in ministry when I've first been ministered to when i allow god and i you know i think this is you know an ongoing several times a day god's ministering to my heart god's healing me god's envisioning me god's equipping me cuz the truth is you know this is one of those weeks where you need to take your armor off you got to take your armor off cuz you get hit underneath your armor in all kinds of ways that you don't even know you get hit in and it begins to affect how we see the lord it begins to affect how we risk with other people it it begins to affect how we hear the Lord it begins to affect then how we lead and so we need these times for God to come in and restore our soul and to minister to us again And so this is a positioning, this is, I'm choosing to receive from the Lord, I'm positioning myself, it's not, you know, it's not defensive, it's not just sitting back, it's not just waiting for something to drop from heaven, I'm actually turning towards the Lord, and I'm becoming attentive to him to receive everything that I need for him. I have to make the choice to go low, it's that word tapeneos in the Greek that means to go low, to make oneself lowly, that I'm again going before the Lord with everything that I know, and I think as leaders sometimes we know too much. And what we know can actually keep us from more of him. And sometimes we get used to going off a cycle and what's worked in the past. And the most powerful thing that we are is the presence of the Lord. And it's ongoing, and it's changing, and it's relational. And the things that God has said to us, you know, five years ago and ten years ago, and the things that He healed in us, and it's a lifelong thing that He's growing up in us. It changes over the years. Things change in our relationship with Him. We're cultivating a relationship with a person. And like any other relationship that changes over the year, we have to make the choice to go low and to receive again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? Blessed are those who know they can't do life on their own. Blessed are us. Favor on our lives when we know that this will be impossible without the hand of the Lord. What is happening here? What's happening in New Wine? What's happening in the Church of England is impossible to be effective in the power and the presence of the Lord without the presence of the Lord. It takes him to do everything that he's called us into. And so 2 Corinthians 3.19 says this, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory that comes from the lord this is the picture the glory of god to us and then in turn we reflect the glory and in the process of that everything begins to change the difference between you know god's glory and just you know doing church or doing programs or doing meetings is there there's there's not just change there's transformation kingdom is transformation And it's impossible without the glory of the Lord. We're reflecting the glory of the Lord. And in the process of that, transformation is taking place. How do I know the kingdom's advancing? Transformation is taking place. People are not just changing. They're they're changing from the inside out. And they're catching the bigger picture. That's what happens in the glory of the Lord. And my response in that is always to worship. My response in the encountering the glory of the Lord is always to worship. Look all through the scriptures. Those that encountered the Lord, their response of being terrified or overwhelmed. But it was always worship. We see God come through again and it should cause us to worship. We get to gather again and it should cause us to worship. We see the faithfulness of the Lord and it should cause us to worship. And keeping our focus on the things that God has done. And the enemy is always trying to steal our worship. Every time we take ourselves out of the glory and the presence of the Lord, the enemy has access to steal our worship and it's worship it's in the thanksgiving that keeps my heart in the place that i'm remembering everything that god is doing and i'm not so focused on what isn't happening i know so many are you know we're here today and we're frustrated with things that aren't happening and we're frustrated with we you know things we wish would have changed or or would be changed but the truth is it is this you know lifelong journey. And when one thing, you know, we kind of get through one thing, there's always the next thing that's right around the corner. Isn't that true? There's always the next thing. That's why anytime there's like the season of grace, I enjoy that day (laughs) because you never know when that's going to change. We never know when we're going to go into the next thing. So there is this picture here of the glory of God coming to us, us reflecting, making that the priority. It's the glory of God. Verse 14, the glory of God, the peace to men on whom his favor rests. The glory of God and a byproduct of that, peace to men. What are we walking? We walk in the peace of Christ. What's the gospel? The peace of the gospel. It's what we carry. And in that, we walk in the favor. There's a process. The glory of God, the peace of God that even, you know, battle is peace, bringing peace, that we're fighting, we're advancing the kingdom. And in that, we're walking in the favor and the blessing of God in our life. This is what we've been given from the, you know, the, the crib to the cross. This is the whole picture. And in response, the angels, the shepherds, Mary, all through this story, they're encountered to see the glory. And they all begin to worship. Zachariah, you know, his mouth shut because he didn't believe. He had unbelief. And remember, his, his, uh, the Lord just kind of shut him up for a while. Which, I wish I had that gift sometimes. (laughs) And then God opens, you know, his voice again. What is his response? It's to worship. We see the Lord and it turns us into worshipers. So we can never, when we we see, when we encounter, when we feel the presence of the Lord, it should always cause us to worship. But there's another part of this. And I think this is really important when we talk about longevity. God will visit us if we make room for him. God will move on us because it's his desire to be with us and it's his desire to lead and it's his desire to move. But I I believe there's another level of this that it's God's glory to us but we reflect it. It's not our glory. We don't own the glory. We reflect the glory. And one of the things that I've seen through the years is people just not make it. People top off or God anoints them. You know, incredibly gifted people, anointed people, yet they, you know, bought into the glory too much and made it too much about them or whatever you know the reason and they just sort of topped off they just sort of you know sold out whatever it is on however you want to look at it but it's the glory of God to us but it always has to be in the reflecting it always has to be us pointing to Jesus it always has to be you know us from the place of presence taking the people through that process but always reflecting and pointing people to Jesus and that we're stewards, and that we're managers, and we're midwives, and it's this thing that God's invited us into, but it's our story that's joining his story. It's not just about us, that we're all together in this beautiful thing called the church, and our part of what we have, you know, is to reflect the part that he's given to us, and I believe that we're in a time, you know, again, where God's like, can I trust them? Can I trust them with what I want to do next? It's one of the things that you know, I'll just talk to the Lord about, Lord, can you trust me? Am I trustworthy right now? Is there anything in me that is, a, you know, that I can't be trusted with? I want to be one that's trusted. I want to be one that God says, yeah, I can use you to do this. Yes, I'm going to reflect more of who he is. Yes, I can be trusted with that. And the truth is, you don't even know what your sellout price is until that happens to you. Lots of people, nobody says, hey, yeah, I'm a Judas, you know. Or I would never sell, or I would always make this about Jesus. But the truth is, the more that you're entrusted, the more responsibility is tied to it. And we always pray for favor. You know, glory of God, peace to men, favor of God. Favor is always tied to responsibility. And there's a longevity point in here that, 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 that we're maintaining, you know, our, our right, rightful place and the position that God has given to us and continually thanking Him for what He's done and what he's given to us and always pointing the people to Jesus and not getting so caught up too many i believe one of the you know hard things about leadership is so many leaders and i think we all deal with it at different times but never first receive enough and therefore we put the pressure on the people around us we put the pressure on the people around us to fulfill an expectation to fulfill a need or some, something that we're lacking, some sort of affirmation, you know, whatever. Which affirmation, I believe, is normal, but to be led by it is deadly. And so many leaders, you know, so much of the time, we're putting things that are unrealistic on the people that we're leading because we first have not taken the time to be with him. We haven't got all of our stuff from him. I remember years ago, it was probably a good 15 years ago now, but I remember... Um, it was before my church started, and the Lord began to talk to me about, you know, some of these things in particular. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Christy, I want you to learn to get everything that you need from me. And at the time, I was like, well, I think I already do that. Don't I already do that, Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, no, you don't to the, to the degree you need to. And the Lord began to take me on this journey about being able to, you know, this, this place of ministering to myself, of receiving, all of those practical things that we can teach about. But I mean in the doing. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the reason I am here today is because I listen to the Lord in that. The reason I'm at where I'm at today is because I took the time and made it a discipline and, you know, big part of my relationship with the Lord to get everything that I need for him because I've been through many a seasons in the last 15, 20 years. Where there is no way, there is no way I could have put that on somebody else. It just wasn't realistic. And the Lord was teaching me to rely on him no matter what. No matter what in relationship, no matter what is happening, no matter what's happening, that I'm first and foremost getting what I need from the Lord. I'm getting my affirmation from the Lord. I'm having the Lord define me. Because the truth is if God doesn't define you, everyone and everything else will. If God does not define you, you'll be defined by ministry and you'll be defined by what you do. And I'll tell you this, that's going to change over the years. What you do will change over the years. And if you're defined by that, it will ruin you. And when we talk about longevity and we talk about moving and going forward and all of that, there is something about not, you know, or realizing our place in ministry that this could change at any time. This could change at any time, that we don't hold the future And if you're so tied into what you're doing, when that begins to change, it it changes, you know, it takes people out because their identity is is in so much of what they do. As leaders, our identity has to be in the right place. It has to be in Christ. Otherwise, it will be in what you do and you will put that on other people and there is no way they'll be able to feed you and give it give you what you need. And in the process of that, when things begin to change for you, you'll begin to grasp for all kinds of other things. Because you're not even sure how to live. You're not even sure what to spend your time on. We cannot be defined even by what we do. So I think this is the picture to us, the glory of God to us, shining around us, filling us, you know, filling us with everything that we need, but in the process of that reflecting, reflecting the glory of God, and in the process of that having a heart of worship, that I'm worshiping the Lord, every my response to him, that I'm not allowing the enemy to steal my thanksgiving, that I'm thanking the Lord for everything that he's doing, and I'm getting all of my needs met by him. Romans, again, talks about, you know, time and time again, about all of us fall short of the glory of God. Well, if you read a little bit more before that. It's because the people forgot to be thankful. You know, a thankless heart will always open the door to falling into other things. We're called to be thankful first, to worship first, to praise first. That keeps our heart positioned in the right place. So it's God's, you know, glory to us. And then we reflect the glory, but it always remains in the place of worship, that it's his glory. And then it's be able to see and to be able to hear. How can we see? How can we hear? How can we trust, you know, what we're going into or wherever it is That God's taking us. You know, have you ever thought of young Mary? Here's a kid, a girl, a young girl. How could a young girl be entrusted so much? How could God tell her one thing and she be able to hold on to that thing? No matter what she encountered, no matter what she saw, no matter what she heard, this is the picture of this. And I think in in verse 16 through 19, it says this here, why everybody else is listening to the words that are being spoken over Jesus. Mary's taking these words and she's putting them in her heart and she's treasuring them and she's pondering them. Which is so, I think, rightly when the Lord begins to speak stuff to us that we're treasuring, that we're pondering. But actually this means to wait. It means to compare. It actually means to review. In other words, when God speaks something to us, we're called to review it over and over and over again. Why? Because we forget We forget the things that God has spoken. We forget the things that God has said. And then it means in the heart. She took them in her heart. and In the Greek translated, it means the center, the seat of the will. It means, you know, the the very part of who we are and that we live from that place. Mary took the thing that God had promised and she put it in the center of her will. How can a young girl carry something that she's entrusted that would, that would be one of the most powerful things, the most powerful message, the most powerful of ministries. And how could she do that at, at such a young age? Because she made these part of her private meditation. How do we think longevity? How do we think, how am I going to carry this thing in the way that God's carried it, you know, given it to me? How am I going to, you know, kind of last and finish well? All those things. We take the things that God has spoken, those always become the loudest. God's voice at the end of the day always has to be the loudest in your life. Too many noises, too many distractions, too many things. God's voice always has to be the loudest. And she made them. Mary made these, the center, And it was a matter of her meditation. It was a matter of how she lived. And she set her will to what God had said. And I don't know about you, but I've had to set my will to what God has said to me. I've had to set my will against oppositions, uh, opposition, against res- resistance, against all kinds of stuff. Even my own mind. I've had to set my will Towards the the promises of God and towards the will of God. And that's how Mary sustained herself. That's how Mary held the promises that God spoke to her. Remember, she was told all these things of what she would give birth to through, you know, what Jesus would do and and how powerful it would be that it would be great and they would be called the Son of Man and, you know, all these wonderful promises, yet he's born humbly in a stable. She was told that he would be the king and, you know, the throne of uh, of his father David and all of these wonderful promises, yet he was born to the poor people and surrounded by poor people. I mean, Everything that God had spoke, Mary's circumstances would be completely opposite. And as leaders, how can we hold fast, hold true to what God has spoken to us, no matter what the circumstances around us are saying, no matter what you know, some, some person is saying or what's going good or what's going poorly or whatever it is, no matter what the finances of the church say, no matter what, you know, no matter what we're facing, how do we hold true to what God has said? How do we hold fast and not waver and not get you know, distracted and not go a different direction? How do we hold fast to what God has said? We have to set our will to it. We have to ponder it. We have to treasure it. We have to protect it. We have to guard it. That's what Paul said to young Timothy. You need to guard this entrustment. You need to guard this with everything that's in you. You need to protect this. I mean, there is a level of responsibility of this entrustment that we, you know, guard what God has given to us. And then I'm going to do this in the way that God's asked me to do this, no matter what I come up against, no matter how I feel. I mean, you have to believe and have to know. I mean, as a mother, I could never imagine watching, you know, my young son be beaten, be tortured, be ridiculed, be rejected, and wonder, but God told me this, and now I'm seeing this, yet hold on to what God said was the truth. And so much of the time, we'll hear something, and then we'll come up against stuff, and then we'll adjust the promise, or we'll adjust the vision, or we'll adjust it according to the culture, or according to the opposition, or according to the resistance, or according to what we're seeing, or according to what we're not seeing. And the truth is, when God says it, he's serious about it. If God says something to you, there's a reason that he said it to you in the way that he said it to you, and hold on to that thing because he's trusting you with that for a reason, for the purpose, and I'll tell you this, if you're not filled with hope with the things that God has said to you, then you're feeding yourself from the wrong place. And again, going back to what am I feeding myself? What am I receiving from? I have to live in that place, because that's the place that I'm reminded of the things that God has spoken, the things that God has said. Malachi said "You know that God stays the same, that there's something about I, the Lord, do not change. How often do we change? How often do we adjust out of our own stuff, out of our own weakness, out of our own frailties, out of our own discouragements, out of our own hopelessness, you know, whatever it is. Or even how great we are. And we begin to get really good. And we begin to make something, you know, other than what God had anointed us for. And I think if we talk about longevity and we talk about moving something that God has entrusted to us, we need to be able to move it in the way that God wants us to move it, in the anointing and the call that God has placed on that. It's really, I think, an important aspect of the kingdom. So if we could just start off this week and let me just ask you, what do you feel are the things and know the things that God has spoke to you? What are the things that you've buried? What are the things that you've forgotten? What are the things that have distracted you? And getting those things out of the way, removing those things so we can go head, you know, headstrong into the things that God has said. And not allowing any of the anointing or any of, of the progression or any of the things that, that God has given to us or called us into. Not allow any of that to be taken from us. You know, there's a reason why God has given you what he's given you. And I do believe this, and this I do believe actually is a challenge to all of us in the coming church. Is that one of our greatest challenges, I believe, is to stay true to what God has spoken. And and remaining simple in that. And not complicating things. And not adjusting to the culture. And not adjusting because of the pressure of the world. And not taking our you know, ideas or you know, the, whatever it is that we're coming up against and adjusting whatever it is that God has spoken because we're either afraid it's not going to come to pass or we're afraid what we're leading is going to fall apart. If I'm going to finish this thing out, I want to finish it out in what God's called me to do, in the way that God's called me to do it, and to the best of my ability. And I know that if I'm, if I'm going to be able to do my part... It's got to come from the place of being in his glory. It's got to come from the place of living there, of reflecting his presence, being in his presence, being present in his presence, to be able to, you know, release that to the other people, lead the other people, feed the other people in what God has asked me to do. And it's the same for you. What are the things that God has said to you? What are the promises that maybe you just kind of pushed down? What are the things that you're afraid of aren't going to happen? Like, let's deal with that stuff. Because I, I really feel like the Lord wanted to, and this week and start this off, that the Lord wanted to, for some of you, was going to remind you of some of your dreams and remind you of some of those initial things. Do you realize that most people, how God first encounters them, and then, you know, we sign up, yeah, I want to be in the ministry, yeah, I want to do this. You no, know, most people, the thing that got them, they no longer do. Do you know how many people you know were led to the Lord and in this you know, crazy way and God got a hold of them and through a, you know evangelistic meeting or whatever and they get called into evangelism and they love it and then they get caught up in the ministry and they haven't led anybody to the Lord for years? And somehow we distance ourselves from the very thing that God called us into. The very thing that got us is what's going to get the people around us. What's the thing that got you? What's the thing that drew you? What's the things that God said? What was happening in you? What was happening to you? Can we just ask the Lord to stir some of those things? Is that all right? Is that all right?